0: Well, if you have your Westover app or you have your Bible, I invite you to join me in the book of Acts chapter 2. We're in a series entitled, Again. The word again can have a a couple connotations to it. For example, if your wife says very romantically, I want to kiss you again, you say, again, again. But if she says, you know what? My mother's coming to stay a month. You say, again? So (laughs) the word again can have different meanings. This weekend, I want to speak specifically on this thought, connect again. It's time to connect again. Do you know in our faith walk, we can get disconnected from God? Yes, uh, there's different reasons people get disconnected from God. One is a disaster. You don't lose the job, go through a divorce. There's something, something overwhelming, a disaster come in their life, and they get overwhelmed, and they, and they kind of feel like in a moment of survival, what am I going to do? And, and it seems like that moment kind of overtakes their life, and if it's a prolonged thing, and sometimes as a product of a disaster, they get disconnected from God. Another reason is a distraction. I've watched people chase after a degree or a promotion And that becomes their priority, and they get distracted from God. Young adults, young adults pursuing a relationship, you think it's Mr. Wonderful or or Miss Nice, and you think this is the person. Let me just say, any relationship that does not promote your spiritual life is not from God. You're wondering, is this from God? Is it bringing you closer to the Lord? If it's not, unequivocally, it's not from God. It's a distraction. Another reason people get disconnected from God is a disruption. COVID-19 has been a disruption. It has changed our routine. We've got out of the rhythm of things. We've got out of the routine of things. And and when you're out of the rhythm, out of the routine, that all of a sudden you... Some of the, your devotion, your, your, your engagement, being a part of your life group, whatever the case may be, you, you, you get distracted from that, a disruption in life. And then also discouragement. Discouragement. I, I, I think there's some of us today, we, we're disconnected from God. You say, I don't know why. I'm, I'm, I'm going to church. I'm praying, but I just, I'm not feeling God. I'm not sensing God. I'm. I'm in a malaise. I'm in despondency, perhaps even a mild depression. And because of discouragement, you feel disconnected. God, where are you? I don't feel you. We can get disconnected from God. I I, I would like to challenge us to to reconnect, to connect again. In Acts chapter number 2, verse 42 and following, We have the account of the New Testament church. The opening of Acts 2 is a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And they spake with other tongues. The Spirit of God gave them utterance. A great spiritual moment. And then the the New Testament church began to flourish, began to grow, and began to move forward. And it ends chapter uh, 2 with this great account of what God was doing. And it's a healthy, thriving church. And here's what a healthy, thriving church looks like. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Notice they were together. We have a core value at Westover that says we're better together. They were together The New Testament is written in Greek. It's translated in our Bibles into English. But the original language was Greek. This word in verse number 44, together, is found in the Greek language over 4,600 times in the New Testament. 4,600 times plus. But only seven times is it ever translated together. It's more frequently translated, them. We could read this verse and said the believers were them. What does that mean? They belong to each other. They didn't see themselves individuals. They said, I'm a a part of the them. And during COVID, I think some of us have lost our themness are them this. Because social distancing has now created spiritual disconnection. And I speak to the online church. Some of you say, it's wonderful. I can watch church in my pajamas. Uh, I I, I have my favorite seat right here in my living room. And for those who have underlining health issues, I understand that. But for some of us, it's just been convenient to do that But your kids and your students are losing the togetherness. They're not connected anymore. And I want to invite you, don't lose your themness. The last four words of the Bible in Revelation says, with God's people. This Bible ends with this phrase, with God's people. God intends that we have a sense of belonging Now I'm building a foundation. Stay with me. Let's go to Hebrews chapter number 10. Go further back in your Bible. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 and following. We're building on this same concept, then I'll begin to unpack it. Verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur... One another. Let us spur one another on to love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Verse number 24: Let us spur one another. Again, the New Testament is written in Greek. The Greek word for spur is a Greek word found only two times in the entire Bible. In verse non, number twenty-four, it's translated spur. It's found one time in the Book of Acts. And its the only occurrence, and it's when the account when Paul and Barnabas had a sharp disagreement. The word literally means the word literally means a sharp disagreement or an argument. Let us spur one another on to good works. What does this mean? Sometimes in order to do the right thing and to do the best thing, there's going to be a disagreement. There's going to be a conflicted soul. Sometimes your your feelings and your opinions are one thing, but your conscience is something else. And your conscience is arguing with your feelings or your opinions or your preferences. And the Bible says that your conscience needs to win the argument with your opinion. Sometimes we we get into lifestyle issues. Well, you know, everyone's doing it. My best friend came out and said, and it's all right, and I think it's all right. But God's word, God's truth says something different. And the Bible says to do what is right, to do the what is proper. Conscience sometimes must argue with personal preference. And sometimes we need to have that internal conflict so that the spirit can override our mind and our heart. Not every sermon do you need to say amen to. Some you need to say ouch. Come on. If everything pats you on the back and tells you how wonderful you are, you're not going to reach every good deed and you're not going to grow in love the way you want to. Sometimes, sometimes it needs to just it, it needs to sit with you and it, it needs to pierce you and it needs to provoke you to something better. I want to suggest Hebrews chapter 10 is going to give us four insights on how to break a spiritual slump. You know, some of us were in a spiritual slump. COVID nineteen has put us in a position where our spiritual rhythm, our spiritual fervency, our spiritual passion has diminished. There was a time we were we we were passionate and we were clear about God's word, God's ways, and God's will in our life. But now we're kind of nonchalant. We've taken a passive attitude. So I can't do anything, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna go with the flow. And we're in a spiritual slump. I believe there are four insights on how to break a spiritual slump, and I want to share them with you. Number one, hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. Verse number 23 says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope. Hold on to hope. When COVID first started, I had a person in the church that reached out to me. Pastor, I know I'm going to die during this, and I want you to preach my funeral. Months ago, they told me, I went, they're still alive, they're doing healthy today. But they just, they, they gave up. I know it's going to come, it's going to get me. I, I, Pastor, I want you to preach my funeral. I said, I'd be glad to preach your funeral, but I don't want to do it right now. No, 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 I, I'm not going to survive this. And they, they got caught into the, into the discouragement of it. They, they were just they were feeding on that. You, we we got to be very careful we don't feed on the negative. You can watch Anderson, whomever, on the news and take a point and argue against it for 20 minutes and then argue for it for 20 minutes, then argue again. You can spend 90 minutes on five minutes' worth of news right now, and when it's over, you say, you know what? Just give up and quit life right now. Just resign. Just give up in life. I'm here to say, hold on to hope. God's going to get us through. We're going to walk through this. Yes, you're going to regain your footing. You're going to get through school. Yes, the business is going to flourish. You're going to make it. You're going to pay off the house. God is good. God's not going to abandon you right now. Hold on to your hope and let God's hope be the thing that you, that you latch on to. Hold on unswervingly. Don't give up on hope. Perhaps I could say it best in a poem. Hmm? I share a poem with you? It's about two frogs. Which frog are you? Two frogs fell in a deep cream bow. One was an optimistic soul. The other took the gloomy view. We're bound to die. What can we do? So with a last despairing cry, he flung up his legs and said, goodbye. The other frog said with a merry grin, I can't get out, but I won't give in. I'll just swim around till my strength is spent, and then will I die the more content. Bravely he swam till it would seem his struggles began to churn the cream. At last, on top of the butter, he stopped, and out of the bowl he gaily hopped. What is the moral? Tis easily found. If you can't hop out, just keep swimming around. There it is. (laughs) Amen. Don't, Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep the dream alive. Believe God's best. Hold on to hope. Number two, I share with you, you need to have a radical act of devotion. A radical act of devotion, verse number 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. A radical act of devotion. You need to do something you think you don't have time for you need to give something that you don't feel like you can part with. You need to say something that you're not in the mood of saying. You you need a radical act of devotion. What am I talking about? How about when you go to work tomorrow? Make breakfast tacos for everybody at work. That's not my job. That's it. It's an act of devotion. Can I tell you, it'll do you good. It'll do them good. Sometimes we just got to break the malaise. We just got to Step forward and do something ambitious, a radical act of devotion. Spur one another on to that. Can I share with you a great report? I want to share with you a great report. You remember just a few weeks ago, before school started, we said we as a church, Westover, wanted to reach out and just show appreciation to educators in the school system. So right around the corner from this church is Raba Elementary. We adopted Raba Elementary. We shared with you. Would you give in a special offering that we wanted to give every teacher, every teacher at the at the school, a gift card uh, to Amazon to just buy whatever they wanted to buy, and then every one of the 800 plus students going back to school a gift bag that they would they'd have a drive-by moment somewhere back in school, but every child got something in a gift bag, and it was an expression from Westover. We shared with you, we needed $8,000 to do that for one purpose just to share goodwill and appreciation to the educators. You gave $16,000. So you know what we did? We did two schools. We did Robba Robert, Robert Elementary, and we did Myers Elementary as well. From both schools, we got, a, we got a thank you note. But I want to share from the vice principal of Myers Elementary. This is the note, and I'm just going to read it verbatim. Quote, OMG, (laughs) what in the world? Holy moly, what a super gesture. Please, please, please send our biggest regards to your church community for the Amazon gift cards. You don't know how much our teachers appreciated this token. They're busy getting supply bags, and the money is tight right now. Thank you personally from the bottom, the top, the side, and the middle of my heart for your kindness, end of quote. There it is. Sometimes you just need a radical act of devotion to break out of the slump just to create goodwill. For the Bible says when you do it for somebody else, God will do it for you. Number three, how do you break out of a spiritual slump? Reconnect to church. Reconnect to church. Verse number 10. Excuse me, verse number 25. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Don't no. give up meeting together. Online church, some have underlining health issues, and I understand and I respect that. But some of you don't have underlining health issues. You have pajamas you don't want to get out of. And you have decided it's just great to have that cup of coffee, and I'll do dishes while worship goes, and I'll just I'll fast forward, and I'll listen to this, and I'll listen to that, but you've sent the kids upstairs in the back room, and they're not engaged in worship for some of you online, your kids have not been in the presence of God in six months. And I call you back. reconnect in church. You know, COVID has broken some habits, but we've gotten the habits of other things. That's what it says here. Don't stop meeting together as some in the habit of, some got out of the habit and got in the habit of not going to church anymore in the New Testament. And COVID is doing that. I mean, we're picking up habits we shouldn't pick up. Am I the only one that's put on a few pounds during COVID? I'm telling you, I've been medicating myself with late potato chips. Yeah. I just told these buy a bag. No, buy the bigger bag now. And it's true, you can't eat just one. I'll tell you. And and some of you are binging on social media. We've lost our structures. There's a whole school of thought from, from the Harvard Business School and a study about habits and rituals. We have habits, but we build rituals in our life. There are habits that come and go, but there are these rituals we have in life. And these rituals we assign value and priority to, such as graduations, anniversaries, uh, family reunions. There are these rituals, and these rituals add value. These rituals are significant to our life. And right now, some of that's not occurring now, yeah, some of you, for your, your, your 20th anniversary, you're going to take your wife on a, on a Caribbean cruise. And it was canceled, and so you took her cruising down Calabar Road and back. <laughs> yeah, she's disappointed. Of course she is. Yeah, of course she is. We need to reconnect to church. That's a habit, a ritual that's been diminished during this time. I want to have the attention. I want all of our parents, you got school-age children, I want you to dial into this. I want you to dial into me right now, please. I want to talk to you about the importance and the priority of your kids being in church, okay? It's important that your kids are in church. In fact, I'm going to share with you, when your students graduate from high school, there are four lessons they, have need, they need to have learned and internalized. Not just heard, not just heard, because if they just hear it, when they hear a counter view, they will go the direction of the counterview or the argument. But when they internalize it, when it's no longer just a habit, it's a ritual, it's internalized in their life, then it becomes a part of who they are and it becomes a foundation in their life. You see, every one of us, we... We choose these values based upon, upon arguments, based upon evidence, based upon experience. For all the lawyers in the room, when you went to college and law school, you took courses on how to get up and make an oral argument. And sometimes you're, you're argu- arguing from the point of logic, and sometimes you're arguing from the point of emotion. Sometimes you're arguing from the point of relevance. There are different arguments. I, I took the same course in college. I, 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 just, I was just intrigued by it. And they said, in, based upon what you're trying to do and the evidence you had, you argue from that, and you're trying to sway people. Well, with that in mind, that's what advertisers do. Advertisers advertise, if you please, they're arguing, they're persuading you to buy their product. And they do it from different perspectives. It was the Greeks that founded this school of argument and persuasion. The Greeks came out with with four things. They called it uh, ethos, logos, pathos, and kairos. And you argue from each one of those positions And each one of those positions becomes a persuasive argument, and people make decisions based upon that. I want you to know that your students, your students in kids' ministry here at Westover, all the way through high school ministry, there are four things that we try to instill in them in this chronological order. Number one and number two, we try to accomplish it in preschool. Number one, number two, and number three, we enforce it into elementary, and particularly number three. Then, when they go into middle school, and into high school, we emphasize all three of them, and then we add number four, and it's this: we 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 want to instill this in your because First one is God is real. Number two, God is good. Number three, God is love. Number four. God created you with a purpose. The first two in preschool. Then in elementary we add God is love. And then as you go into middle school and high school, God has created you for a purpose. Why? Why those four things in that order? First off, if God is real, your students internalize it. They'll say, if God is real, then I can know him. If God is good, then I can trust him. If God is loving, he can forgive me. That's so important. They need to learn that in elementary school because when they become teenagers and have some mess-ups, they need to not be saddled with guilt and condemnation. They need to know, yeah, they forgiving Heavenly Father. He loves you. And then, by the time they graduate from high school, God created me with a purpose. He can direct my path. If we can instill those four values in your students, in your kids, and we do that in that methodical order, I want your students to graduate from high school knowing, being convinced of this, that God is real, God is good, God is loving, and He has created me for a purpose. Because when they get into college, they're going to have some crackpot professor that will get up in front of them and say you you need to dismiss everything you've ever heard in Sunday school or in church and they're going to tell them that they're a product of an evolutionary process. That professor is going to say you went from the goo to the zoo to you. And they need to stand up and argue against it. By the way, parenthetically, do you know evolution, which they say is scientific, does not meet the criteria of scientific evidence? For anything to be scientific, it has to be observable and repeatable. And they tell you there's a missing link. It's it's not observable and it's not repeatable. There are not half monkeys and half human beings today. You know do you know evolution does not meet the very standard of scientific investigation? But that's not what the, pro- the, the, the professors in college are going to tell them. Your students need to have so from no matter what they hear, what life says, what happens to them in life, they'll know God is real, God is good, God loves me, and God can direct me. He has a plan for my life. That's why we need your students in, in church I've got a couple people going to help me on the platform if they'll come out right now. And again, I'm continuing to talk to parents right now, so parents continue to dial in with me on this. Let me illustrate this. This white ribbon right here is, is 15 feet long, 15 feet long. This is 15. It's 180 inches, 15 feet. It's 180 inches because... Your kids are required to go to school 180 days. So each inch of this ribbon represents one day of school. It's a seven hour allotment. Seven hours, seven hours, seven hours, seven hours, seven hours, all the way through 180 days of school. It's good to go to school. First grade all the way, 12 years, 180 days. Information is going to be given to them. Why? To develop their 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 mind to learn to science, etc., math, et cetera, to become proficient and qualified for life. Stay with me. Stay with me. At church, we get your kids one hour a week. One hour a week. And if you come to church one hour a week, 52 weeks a year, you never miss. You never come late, and you never miss a Sunday. You don't miss one Sunday for 52 weeks. And I take those 52 hours, and I put them in seven-hour days. It's equivalent to this much time, seven-and-a-half inches. Seven-and-a-half, seven-and-a-half days equivalent to the public school. This is how long your kids will be in church If they come every week, never miss a week, never late, this ribbon is how long they'll be in school each year. This is how long they're in church. But if you miss church a couple times a month and you come late, this is how much time we get your kids. We get them three inches. Three inches to 15 feet. This is how long they're in church. The average church member, your kids are in school more in one week than they are in church in one year. Let that sink in. Your kids are in school more time in one week than they are in church for an entire year. Even if we go back to this and you give us all 52 weekends at one hour, This is what we're saying you have to do in public school to be proficient for math at first, second, third, middle school, high school. Why? We're preparing them for life. What if they went to school this length of time? What if each year your kids went to school only seven and a half days? They couldn't pass the STAR test. They would would never get a college entrance exam right. They would be be ill-equipped for life for their career, for family, that they, they would be so underprivileged. They would be illiterate in society. But this is how much time we have in church. And in, in this 7 in this seven and a half equivalent days, this seven and a half inches, I've got to prepare them for life when they graduate from high school that God would be the center, that God would be their priority, offset all of the values culture is trying to tell them. Offset that society is saying that marriage is just two individuals of the same sex or whatever meeting together. Exactly opposite of what the Bible says. And Netflix is now espousing pedophilia as a, as a consideration of a lifestyle in seven and a half inches. i got to offset that and prepare them for eternity. And I'm here to say I want every inch. Church time is God's time. I call in God's time. That's God's time. They shouldn't be upstairs watching TV. They, 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 it can be set aside. I, I'm not going to put anything else in the way. We need every inch, every hour we can have your children because we have got to get them ready for eternity because the world is going to teach them in a value system that is contrary to what God's Word says. And this is what we have. them. It's time to reconnect to church. Thank you very much. Let me bring it down in my closing. Let me bring it down. For church online, immediately following the service, there'll be a link to click, click, click on, and you can get information about online life groups or or in home life groups. It's time to reconnect. For church family here in the room. COVID has kind of got us out of the rhythm. I'm here to invite you to reconnect. Nine months ago, you were volunteering. But you've retired. You've said no more. You've got out of the habit, out of the rhythm. We, we're, we're, we're The priority is spiritual life. Your kids, your students need to be in age-appropriate rooms where they're getting, they're getting a spiritual challenge that's age-appropriate to them. And that's God's time. And I'm here to call in God's time. For families in the room, you've talked about you were going to get involved in a life group, but COVID came, you got out of the habit. Now you're saying, you know what, not this year, maybe next year. I'm here to call you back in, either an online or an in-home life group. It's time to reconnect to church. And then last, I share with you how to break a spiritual slump. Be an encourager. Verse 25 says, encouraging one another. Be, be an encourager. As I wrap this up, we're in a political season right now, and it's so easy to get on the bandwagon of I'm for, I'm against. And I I hear all of the conversations on social media. And I'm just going to talk to you from my heart. I don't get on the bandwagon. There are things in both parties I agree with, and there's things in both parties that that's not my preference. But you're never going to know what my opinion is on those. I just say God's Word teaches us our values. God's Word teaches us our values. And this book says, whomever is the leader of our country, we pray for them. And I see what people post on social media and what some people are saying on social media, and some even Westover Congress, some it offends the Holy Spirit. The rhetoric and the demagoguery, I call you out of it. We need to walk in the spirit on social media. We need to be people that exemplify the character and the nature of God, be an encourager. I, I find things that I can encourage. I post things that are encouragement. I don't post things I'm against. I don't post everything that offends me. I, I, I'm just not going to do that. I want to exemplify the nature in Jesus. And the Bible says, be an encourager. Encouragement is like vitamin C. Yeah, it, it, it will do so much for your spiritual life. And I want to invite everyone, be an encourager. And as we close in prayer, again, online church, there'll be somebody to talk to you about life group and connect with you. Here in the room, Pastor James is going to be in room 100. Perhaps it's your time to get connected to an online or in-home life group. Let's pray. Father, at this moment, we pause and i sense that some of us are in a spiritual slump covid we didn't cause it but lord it's it's allowed us to slip into a moment of passing spiritually it's it's given us lord the cause to to withdraw and disconnect from people unintentionally and lord while i understand those who have health risk and and, and we, we need to practice good health matters and social distance. I respect that, God. But at the same token, we can't lose our togetherness. And I call people back together. I invite, I let the Holy Spirit invite people to connect again. Parents! Parents, Father, I am burdened. I have heard so many parents share with me as a pastor how passionate they are for their kids to get back into class. But there is silence. I am not hearing any parent tell me how passionate they are about their kids getting back into church. And that has weighed heavily on my heart. Parents see the need for schooling, but they're distracted in their priority for their kids to be spiritually nourished and I call those families back to reconnect that's God's time and Lord we we as a church we are committed to their children to their students their middle school and high school students to instill God's value and guide them they need a life changing experience with God and the Holy Spirit to prepare them for adulthood I pray, God, I pray we will be spurred, we will be provoked to set some spiritual priorities. Pray over families, God. Some are going to be starting school this week. Some are in that tier that are going to be going back to school, and Lord, we pray protection on them. But Lord, as a pastor, I'm so burdened for their spiritual life. We can't lose them at this moment. And I trust you, Lord, that you'll personalize this challenge to the hearts and the minds of families. In Jesus' name, amen.